0: Well, good morning. I heard you all applauded for Brandon every time he got up. Or was it when he finished? It might have been when he finished. I don't know. It's it's great to be back with you all. And the Brandon I'm referring to is the guy that's been up here with David the last three weeks. And I know they've done a great job with this series. And it's good to be back with you this weekend. Kids fifth grade and under, you can see the ones who are here every week. You guys are welcome to go on downstairs for your time of teaching and uh, lesson activities. It's going to be a great time down there. A lot of great people there uh, waiting for you. Congratulations to Graham and Jamie Jones, who are growing the church on their own. Uh, Shepherd Graham, uh, seven uh, pounds, 15 ounces, 20 inches long, arrived Thursday there at home. They're doing great. Uh, Graham's parents are in from out of town. I'm sure Jamie's ready for him to go home. Hope they're not listening today. Well, turn with me in your Bible to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to look at one verse today and a multitude of others, but that's going to be the place you want to plant yourself in the Bible. The book of Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. If you flop that Bible open to the middle, you're going to land in Psalms, and you need to go a lot further towards the back. It's about three-quarters of the way back. You'll see Malachi. Malachi is four chapters long. We're going to look at uh, chapter 3, verse 6. Well, I want you to know, uh, those of you that are watching, especially, how grateful I am. It's great to be back with you all in this room, and I've looked forward to this, but I am so grateful also for our online ministry, Uh, sitting in the hospital Christmas week with three of our other guys who were in the hospital. It's great to have Don back there. He's looking really good, good to have Don back with us. and Of course, Dan's been back up here the last couple of weeks, and finally the old man made it back in. But it's good to be with you, but I can't tell you how special it was to me to not be disconnected from you all for four weeks. I've never been gone for four weeks in my 15 years here, and to be in the hospital over Christmas week, to turn on my phone, and to watch Christmas Eve service, and you guys just did such an awesome job with that, and Christmas weekend and uh, the weekend before last to be able to be with you, God was right there with me, and it was incredible. But more than my experience there, I am grateful for what went on here. We had so many who were at home, whether it was just with a loss of smell, or, or perhaps you were having breathing difficulties like I was but didn't have to be hospitalized. And I heard about so many of you making front porch deliveries dropping off food, running to the grocery, doing all of these things. And listen, that is the church. That's why it's important for us to be together at the gathering and to not forsake a weekend being online. Because when you lose that connectivity, you lose it all. And believe me, your faith will follow right behind it. In fact, so many are struggling these days because they have done just that. Perhaps you're tuning in right now, or perhaps you've come back this weekend and it's been three, four, five weeks, maybe even months since you connected with the body and you feel anxious, you feel afraid, you feel alone and isolated. You don't need to feel that way because the church is here and God is there. If only you'll engage him. Well, whether it's been the events of this last month or even year, we all have and we all will experience change on some level, right? Our appearance changes. I've been here 15 years and some of you have not aged well. (laughs) I, I mean, our appearance changes. We had to get after Brandon because and tell him not to lean forward like this when he's up here preaching because it changes the light balance on the camera because his hairlines changed, right? The last few years. That's what he gets for not being here this morning. But our appearance changes. Our circumstances change. How many people's circumstances have changed in this last week, let alone months? All new babies in the household. All these things that, that change in our circumstances. Our health changes. Our faith changes. We're either growing in our faith or we are dwindling in our faith. There's no sitting idle. Our opinion about certain issues changes. Isn't that the truth? Some of it changes day by day, if not hour by hour. What we know or what we don't know changes. Uh, Some may find that hard to believe that you don't know something. And while there are many changes that we welcome There are twice as many that we don't. The loss of someone that we loved. I I can't hardly come through the door out there without missing Mike, Pam, and and I know it's twice as hard on you, four times as hard. The loss of people that we love, relationships that have come and, and gone, and we're not sure that they'll ever come back again. The effects of aging. What do we know? What we do know is that change is occurring at a quicker pace. Change is occurring at a quicker pace than ever before. The pace of life is speeding up. Now, those of you that are older, you'll appreciate this, and those of you that are young like me, you know, just kind of in that middle age, you've had older people tell you over the years, now the older you get, they told me when I turned 50, now that you're 50, life is really gonna speed up. And it seems to be true. Life is moving quicker at a quicker pace than ever. But more than age, I'm convinced that technological progress has brought more rapid change throughout society than any other factor. King George of England wrote in his diary on July 4th, 1776, nothing much happened today. How could he write that? It was the midst of the American Revolution. It's because it took him weeks to learn that the colonies were in rebellion. If King George were alive today, he would have heard about it from CNN who would have uh, told him three days before it happened that it was happening. Or social media, all of his court would have known. I remember when my neighbor first signed on to the internet in the early 90s. Anybody still got an AOL account out there like me? The true, The true email account? Oh, it sure does. You just gave away my punchline, but that's okay, Sarah. That's why we don't talk in church. All right? You mess the preacher up. Anyway, I'm going to tell the story anyway. Lived in the neighborhood. Neighbor came out of his house, went to the mailbox, opened the mailbox, looked inside, nothing in there, slammed his short, went back inside. All right? I watched him do it two or three times. Last time he came out, he opened that mailbox, looked in there, nothing. He slammed it shut. And he, as he stomped him back into his house, I, I flagged him down. I said, hey, Tom, well, what's going on? Is something wrong? And he said, that doggone computer keeps telling me you've got mail. <laughs> but technological progress has boosted change like crazy. Things are moving. Things are changing faster than ever before and with this change, have you noticed that every decision that we make has become more complicated? What should be so much easier now go to McDonald's when the computer's down, right? They can't even make a hamburger. <laughs> but every decision is becoming more complicated. We, we've got three of us, three of the four of us are shaving at the house. I think Emma shaves every once in a while and just doesn't tell us. And it's not beards. Mine's only beards. I know some of you have girls that shave their beards, but that's in your house. But just think when I go to Walmart to get shaving cream, everybody has to have a different shaving cream. And the choices, it's your fingertips. I just stand there for 20 minutes and then I call Sarah. Now, which one am I supposed to get? And I made a list. There's normal skin, shaving cream, there's fragrance-free, there's tough beard, there's regular, there's skin conditioning, sensitive skin, menthol, medicated, extra moisturizing, extra protection, extra refreshing, and extra soothing. And you know what? They all still cause razor burn. (laughs) But there are multiple choices. The decisions become more complicated, even simple. Simple decisions have become more complicated as we're inundated with information. The stock market in Europe affects the stock market in the United States. In fact, I could put out something on the internet tomorrow if I had enough followers and I could change the stock market with that word of caution or that word of hope. Politics in China drive politics at home. Social media floods our minds with opinions that sound good at the moment, but are in complete disobedience to God's commands. And we struggle. I mean, we really struggle with this one. There are so many considerations to take into account that our ability to make simple decisions has become complicated. Not only are things changing at a rapid pace, our ability to make decisions has become more complicated but every value that we have held dear is being challenged. We experience this every day. Every value we have is being challenged by some group in some way. Political correctness. Well, it's created all kinds of crazy ideas. We now live in a society where everything is plausible and nothing is certain. Tell me, how confident are you in the people of leadership? regardless of your political party. Who do you trust? Who will tell you the truth? What is the truth? Congress convened its first day in this new Congress with a prayer. A prayer, if you listen to the prayer, it sounds kind of good. God, we want you. God, we want to build, we want to build this country back and we want to lead this country according to your word. And then the fool said, amen and a woman. Now, you women that want to get upset because you think I'm being sexist, I want to tell you, you know what amen means? May it be so in my life. What you just said, may it be so. A woman, what in the world? Every value that we have, every value that we have and hold dear, is being challenged. Sorry, I've been on steroids for four weeks. That's what, the, just, Sarah likes it. I get these angry things, turn green like the Incredible hawk. I don't know what the problem is. <clears throat> but when things change rapidly, when life's getting more complicated, when the values that have held our families together are pushed to the side, where do we go? What do we do? Who do we turn to? We turn to the God of the Bible who describes himself as the immutable, unchanging God. The one who never, who never changes. We anchor our lives to the unchanging God whose love and word and purpose for our lives never changes. You see, while we may change and the world around us may change, God never changes. God says of himself right here in Malachi chapter three, verse six, and throughout his word, as we're going to see today, I, the Lord, do not change. And more than ever, more than ever, we need to understand that. We need to not just know it, but we need to anchor our lives in that truth. And we need to build our lives on this truth truth. He's always been the same. He's the same right now. And my friends, he will be the same tomorrow morning when you wake up. So why? Why does he never change? Is it that he can't? Is it that he doesn't want to? Is it that he's stuck in his ways? I I had an older person tell me once, it may have even been a relative. They said to me, I'm old enough now to where I can say what I want, and I can do what I want, All right? You've met those people. They're the people you want to hang out with, right? No. No. It's not because he's stuck in his ways, or he doesn't want to, or that he can't. It's that God is perfect. He can't get any better, and he can't get any worse. God is consistent. He's consistent in a world that is Inconsistent. And I want to show you this morning that he is consistent in three of the most important ways for your life. He's consistent in his love. He's consistent and unchanging in his word. And he is consistent and unchanging in his purpose for you and for me. So first, he's consistent in his love for us. Now, you'll notice that's not a bullet point on your outline. I want you to write it in. Love. He's consistent in his love for you. He says in Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You were created. You were made to be loved by God with a love that is consistent, continuous, and eternal. It never goes away. While we are incredibly inconsistent, God's love for us He loves us as much on our good days as on our bad days. He loves it when we feel loved, and even when we don't feel loved, his love for us is there. He loves us when we think we're close to him and doing the right thing, and he loves us when we're not close to him and not doing the right thing. His love for you is not based on your performance. His love for you is based on his character. It's who he is. In fact, the Bible says, God is love. Psalm 119 verse 159 says, your love, God, never changes. And Paul later affirmed this when he says, nothing living or dead, nothing angelic or demonic... Today or tomorrow, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. That means you can go to bed tonight confident of the fact that tomorrow morning when you get up and the world around you has changed, your circumstances have changed. The Dita family spent the last couple of months with us. Mom and dad were going back to California, had a terrible car accident on their way back, were able to get going again a few days later, no matter what your circumstances are, because God's love is unchanging, you can be confident that his love for you is right there. Let me tell you, his love was there for me as it has been for every one of you through whatever ordeal that you're going through or have been through this year. God's unchanging nature in the middle of a changing world should calm our fears and ease our anxieties. This is the first of three anchor points I'm gonna give you. And I suggest that you not just fill in the blanks, but I suggest to you that you transfer that to the homepage on your phone or Screensaver on your computer or the mirror in your bathroom. God's unchanging nature in the middle of a changing world should calm our fears and ease our anxieties. If you're anxious, if you're fearful, and we all have those moments, we need to check our anchor and what we're anchored to. Spurgeon said God is a certain friend in uncertain circumstances. Anybody have a friend like that? When things are changing all around you, you can turn to that friend and you can know that you'll always get the truth even if you don't like it. It's the way it is with God. Sometimes we don't like it. When public opinion that changes like the wind says one thing, you can go to this friend and they'll give you counsel that's solid that you can anchor your life to. God is that person, Jesus is that friend. You remember the old song, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. He knows all about our troubles. He will guide till the day is through. There's not a friend, it's true. It's true. God's love is consistent, next. God's word is consistent and unchanging. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus says if you want to have a stable home, you go and you build it on the sands of the beach, right? Where everything feels all comfortable and beautiful. What happens when the storm comes to the sands? Oh, they get moved around. They shift and how many of you have seen houses that build along a creek someplace there where the, the dirt is is sandy and that water comes and it undermines that foundation, the house eventually falls in. No, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice like the wise man who built his house on the what? on the rock you've got to build on a rock have you built your life on the rock of his word because you can and you should it's the place to build the only place isaiah 48 says the grass withers and the flowers fade but the word of our god shall stand forever it's timeless it's eternal it's enduring it never withers it's always fresh have you ever opened it up? Have you ever opened it up on one of those days? Or maybe you're subscribed to one of those weekly devotionals and you get a word of the Lord or you're or your Facebook friends with Don Elmore, who to my knowledge, I've never seen a negative political junk on his Facebook page. All I see is the word of the Lord that pops up. But have you ever uh, opened up his word on that day or had it come to you and you look at him, you're like, wow, that is right on time. That's because it's always there, it's always never withers, it never fades, it never gets outdated. It's alive and it cuts right through all of the bull. Jesus put it this way. He said heaven and earth, they're gonna pass away but my word will never pass away. Well that's something to anchor your life to. When American astronaut Alan Shepard was getting ready to go up into space for the very first time, a reporter asked him this question, what are you depending on in this flight? What are you depending on in this flight when you're about to leave Earth and to go thousands of miles up into space to a destination and come back? What are you depending on? You'd think he would say, I'm depending on all these smart people that are sitting behind computers at NASA. I'm sure hoping that the rocket booster separates at just the right time and and doesn't drag me down. I'm sure hoping that the oxygen thing keeps working in there. No. What did he say? He said, I'm depending on the fact that God's laws will not change. I mean, what would happen if the law of gravity were to just be an idea of gravity? One day you've got it, the next day you don't. I mean, he takes off with gravity and all of a sudden gravity stops and he lets loose. He'd be be out there forever. In the same way that God established physical laws like gravity, God established eternal, moral, and spiritual laws for the universe. God gives these foundational laws for our good. And what happens when we ignore them? What happens when we put our faith and our hope in things other than, than these foundational laws, we hurt ourselves. We get stressed out. We get worried. We feel guilty. We're angry all the time. It brings conflict in relationships. Anybody feeling it these days? Oh, I've seen a bunch of it lately. Anger disappointment, anxiety, worry. If you want to build your life in a way that's solid and handles the stress and the changes that are certain around you, and let me just pause right here and remind you, church, that these last, what are we up to now? 11 months of this stuff? Listen, this is nothing. This is nothing compared to what's going to come before Jesus Christ returns. This is just a, what do you call it, a rehearsal. This is just a little bump in the road to let us know where we're at in our relationship with Him. You'd better build on the truth of God's Word because it's bedrock. It's not gonna change. Popular opinion's gonna change. Psychology books are going to change. The hot topic on social media is certainly going to change. Praise the Lord, it does every day It moves on to something else. Everything changes, but God's Word does not. It's the only thing that will bring stability to your life. So build your life on unchanging truth. There isn't a person, a teacher, a social media platform, a government, a political party that can live up to that. Only God can. And so here's your second anchor point. The fact that God doesn't change means that we can have complete trust in who he is and what he says. Because he doesn't change. We can have complete trust in what he says and who he is. God's purpose for your life also never changes. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 29 says that God is not a man. He doesn't change his mind. Well, I'm sure grateful for that because I know I'm a man who changes my mind. And there are a lot of women and men in this room who change our minds like we change our plans. You know why we change our mind and our plans all the time? It's because we can't see the future It's because we don't have that perspective. We're often surprised by tomorrow, and so when tomorrow comes, our plans go away, and we reinvent new plans. We also change our mind and plans because we often don't have the time and the resources and the strength to pull them off. We have a great idea. We put together a good plan, but we don't have the means on our own to accomplish that. Now contrast your life and your abilities or lack of with God. God never has to change his plans. Why? His Brandon did a superb job last week explaining. God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knows it all. He knows what's happening today. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow and thousands of years from now. God has the power and the resources to see a plan through. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He knows everything that's gonna happen. And he has the power to do anything he wants to do. Now I want to pause here. And I know some of you read your Bibles. And I saw some of you have read your Bible like Joyce and Brenda. Joyce's been here six years, she's reading her Bible for the sixth time straight through. Brenda, she's up to 26 times, that's more than Bill Stone. From cover to cover, from cover to cover. And so if you've made your way through the Bible a few times, or maybe you've been here a few times, and you remember at least a couple of stories, a couple of accounts in there where you, where you believe God did change his mind, because it seems to indicate that. Uh, one of my favorites is this: is the account of Jonah and the Ninevites. God came to his servant, his prophet uh, Jonah, and he said, I want you to go to this sinful people, and I want you to tell them that they're going to be destroyed in 40 days, and you remember that first part of Jonah's story, right? Jonah said, I don't want to do that. He went the other direction. He ended up in the belly of a fish, got puked out of the fish. Once he got cleaned up, he decided he would go and do what the Lord wanted him to do. Now, that's where this point comes in. He goes and he preaches a message of repentance to the Ninevites. And what did they do? They repented. And what did God do? God chose not to destroy them. Did God change his mind, or was his statement contingent upon the Ninevites' action and response? It was the latter. It was the latter. God didn't change his mind. He knew that they would repent, and so God relented. Just as God has with you and with me, God could destroy any one of us, but because of Jesus Christ and because we choose to accept him as our Savior, but also the Lord of our life, God relents. We don't have to spend an eternity in hell. We can live in heaven, and God doesn't change his mind. Listen, long before you were born, even long before I was born and all these other old people in here, Long before we were born, Psalm 139, you need to read it because it is one of the most valuable psalms when it comes to understanding yourself and understanding God. But long before you were born, you were put together, you were woven in that secret place. This means long before you were in your mother's womb, God wrote down the days of your life in his book. He wrote down 2,000. Twenty-one, whatever today is, 16th or 17th of January. He wrote that day down. He wrote down December 19th when I would wake up and wouldn't be able to catch my breath and have to go to the hospital for a couple of days. He wrote that down. He wrote down the day that Mike Lee would be talking and speaking that morning and and that afternoon have a heart attack and, and be taken home. He wrote every one of those days down in his book before one of them came to be. And then you and I are born, and we have the opportunity to make choices in our life. And you know what? God knew what those choices would be. He doesn't change your mind. He doesn't twist you. He doesn't pull puppet strings. But he knows what decisions you're going to make. He knows the decisions that have caused you great hurt and has caused great hurt to your family and the people who care about you. He knew about the things that you would do that were awesome, spectacular. The things that would be created and revealed and developed through you. And so he knew all of this. And then he chose to let us live out those days according to his plan. And purpose for you. And in God's perfection, he foreknew whether you would accept his purpose and plan or not. Now, here's the reality. Is that millions of people miss God's purpose for their life all the time. And some of you in this room have missed God's purpose for your life. You can miss it by neglect. Uh, Some of you didn't even know to ask God. God... What, what purpose do you have for my life? Your, your mom or dad or your grandpa or, or your boyfriend or girlfriend decided where you would go to college or what you would do for a job. Some miss it by neglect. Some miss it by arrogance. Arrogance, that's a tough word, but it's true. That's when you and I say, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. I can do this at home. I can do this here. I, I'm going to do it my way. Some miss his plan by disobedience, by rebellion. Some miss his plan by just pure laziness. You can live your entire life and never fulfill the reason you were actually put on this earth, and that's a tragedy. But all these things doesn't change the fact that God has a purpose for your life. Here's the good news. And that is that thousands of people get back on track with God's plan after wasting years of their life. Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose. It's the Lord's plan that that what prevails? Regardless of the choices you've made or the things that have been allowed in your life, God hasn't given up on you and his plan for you remains perfectly intact. In fact, the really amazing thing about God is is that he can take the evil, he can take all of those bad things and even those good things, and he can bring good out of them. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say in some things. It doesn't say in the good things. It says that in all things... He loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. In all things, God works for the good, does have a condition. It's a promise for those who do what? Who love him, who love him. It's our third anchor point. God has declared that through faith in Christ, I'm his, I'm his. He won't change Therefore his promises won't change. We live in an ever-changing world. An ever-changing world that has made the decisions that we make more complicated because of the vast amount of information, true and false, that we have at our fingertips every day. But the word of the Lord never changes. His love for you never changes and his purpose for your life is there for the having. God's love God will never stop loving you even when you feel unlovable. God's word is always true and endures forever. It may seem unreasonable at times, it may seem unpopular, it sure is, but it's the bedrock on which you can build your life. And God's purposes are greater than my challenges. I've got two questions for you this weekend. The room's gonna get a little bit darker just so you can try to focus in a little bit while the band comes. But I have two questions for you this weekend. They're very important. They're very more important than any resolution that you've tried to make and already given up on. Have you and will you anchor your life in the unchanging God of the Bible? Have you anchored your life in him? From this point forward, if you haven't already, will you build your life on the rock of his unchanging word? I encourage you, if you haven't made that commitment, to make it now. If you have, I encourage you to renew it, to renew it today. The second question is, will you make it your mission for others to know the love of this unchanging God? Because once you've anchored your life, you know as well as I do, that there's nothing better than to see one more anchor their life to his love and to his word and to get their life in alignment with his plan. And so those of you that are watching online, I challenge you today to start having watch parties. Don't just watch by yourself, but contact other people in your friend group. If they're really your friend, They'll watch with you. So many people are watching right now. Charlie and Pat McDonough, they joined our church a couple of months ago, only for Charlie to begin chemotherapy every two weeks for a spot on his liver. Charlie and Pat, they're watching right now. They join us every week. I always get an email or a text from them about how meaningful it is and how they can't wait to be back here with us, Val Rudolph, Val had treatment last week. I've seen her so much throughout this pandemic, but she knows right now she's gotta stay in. And I'm glad that she is, because she's there to help take care of Mel, who just had a resection of cancer from his colon. And so I know Val's watching so faithfully. Howard and Jeanette Berry, and Sharon Sigmund, who are tied to oxygen every day who, if they got something in their lungs, don't believe that they would survive. I know that they faithfully watch every week. Howard watches both of our services, and he always sends an encouraging note. But there are other people, and you need to connect with them, those of you who are watching online, those of you who are here in this room. All of us have come through an invitation by someone else, someone who found this church, someone who is growing in their relationship with Christ, who reached out and encouraged you, whether you came here on your own and then met that person or whether that person reached out to you and and put you in the car and brought them here with you. Bring someone with you. This weekend, we have a special opportunity for you to make it your mission to love others. Dare to Care has been in our community For the last couple of years, they've been stationed up in Henryville. They're right next to the school, one Tuesday a month. But when they're there, there are literally hundreds of people who come and line up three hours early just to get a bag of fresh groceries. Dare to Care would like to move to Memphis, and they would like to use our parking lot. But I don't want people lined up here for three hours without two or three or four or five of you You don't have to lift a finger on the groceries. Dare to Care does that. But I don't want 100 people in this parking lot without you there to say good morning. How are you? Is there anything that we can do to encourage you? Have you thought about coming to Good Friday service? We have a vacation Bible school. We'd love to have your family. And so this weekend, if you're willing to dare to care that way for someone in person, one Tuesday a month between hours of 10 and three, then you just put that on that Get Connected card at the top. It says, I dare, and we'll reach out to you this week and tell you more. Two questions that will change your life. Two questions that reflect our anchor points. I pray that you're anchored today to the God who describes himself as unchanging. Come as we sing. Let's stand together.